You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Well, three guys were at a barbecue and just having a chat as guys do. And one guy said that he'd been hit up a, a lot on the phone recently with uh, people wanting to sell him a funeral plan. And so the, 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 the conversation unexpectedly turned to the subject of death. Uh, not often the guys or anybody for that matter talk about death. And uh, the conversation went this way. One of the guys said, well, you know, what would you like people to say about you at your funeral as they walk past your casket for the last time? And sort of look in and must have been America because open caskets are very big over in America. Not so common here. What would you like people to say? And the first guy said, well, I'd like people to say, you know, he was a good family man. Uh, He was uh, devoted to his wife, raised three beautiful kids. Uh, Yeah, yeah, he was just a good family guy. And the second guy said, well, I'd like uh, people to say, you know, he got involved in his community. And he served the community really well. And he did a lot of good, and he's left behind a community that's better now than it was when he first came into it. And the third guy was being pretty quiet, and they, they said, well, what about you, Dave? What, what would you want people to say you know, as they look on you? And he thought, I'd like people to go, look, he's moving. <laughs> now, like, there is a bit of a fear of death around the place. And we don't like to talk about it. And everybody of sound mind and body really wants to live for as long as they can. I mean, nobody wants to die if body and soul are in place, if you sort of reach that end point and and you're really sick and you're suffering. And many people do uh, welcome death or at least uh, look forward to it. But most people, if they're of sound body and mind, we don't want to die The drive within all of us to survive is the strongest drive of all. The drive to survive. People will do extraordinary things to hold death off. And because of this strong desire to live, death is a subject most people don't like to talk about. It's seen as the great unknown. And because of our ignorance, we'd rather just keep it, you know, hush, hush, especially when when you're young. But friends, this is where Christianity really comes into its own. Because for the follower of Jesus Christ, there is no fear in death, irrespective of of what age we're at. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55, Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is what we're celebrating today, of course. This is what changes everything. Jesus is alive. Now, for our purposes this morning, I've identified three, three things that are changed forever because of the resurrection. Three things that uh, make the difference between merely existing and really living. I hope I'm talking to people this morning who really want to live. Not just exist, but really want to live. Here are the three things. The first one is this. Our life is not futile. That's the first thing. There's meaning, there's purpose because of the resurrection. The second thing is this, our failures aren't fatal. There's always the option to start over because of the resurrection. And thirdly, our death is not final. And how good is that? I mean, how does that compare to the viewpoint of the cynical atheist who says that when you get to the end of the road, it's just like hitting a brick wall, that's it, it's all over. Our death is not final. That sounds to me a lot better. 
than any other option. Let's unpack these one by one. Because of the resurrection, our life is not futile. Now, friends, I don't know about you, but that word futile, I, I find that word extremely distasteful. Even the way you say it, you know, futile, it just doesn't sound a, like a very good word. It essentially means incapable of producing any useful result. It means pointless. Now, I'm not suggesting for one moment that only those with a faith in Jesus Christ are capable of living life with meaning and purpose. I'm not going to try and hit that one on you today because I just don't believe that. I mean, clearly that's not true. There are people all around us who would claim to be finding fulfilment and purpose and meaning within their work, within their families, within their volunteerism, in a whole range of ways. We don't have the edge on meaning and purpose in, in the Christian church. So what is the difference? What difference does belief in the resurrection make? How does that defining moment of history, how does that change a person's view of life? Well, friends, I think in the first instance, I think it has to do with with perspective, with overall perspective. You see, once we begin to grasp the idea of eternity, that's where it starts. Once we begin to grasp the idea of eternity, that beyond the grave there's an existence that has no bounds, no limitations. It just goes on forever. That provides the believer with a certain perspective on life. We begin to realise that life is not about accumulation. It's not about reputation. It's not about self-preservation. It's about transformation. Start to sort of get that into our, into our minds, into our beings. It's about coming to the point of realising that the purpose of our being on this earth is to live in a relationship with the one who created us. That's where the breakthrough begins. When you begin to realise that our purpose on this earth is to, is to have a relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. And that belief takes a person into a dimension of mission and meaning I believe it's not possible to achieve outside of a faith in God. That's where I'm coming from. It just takes you into a much deeper understanding of what life is all about. It leads us to the place where we see our existence on this earth as part of a continuum which begins here. And if our life is represented by a line that goes to the sound desk, well, this line just goes beyond to those doors, beyond this building just goes forever and ever and ever. That's, you see yourself as part of that continuum. Jesus said, because I live, you will live also. And friends, because of this eternal perspective, people of the resurrection can cope with any how because we have a why. We can cope with any how because we have a why. And of course, we all realise the how questions of life abound. How did I get to this situation? How come it's ended like this? How did this happen? How will I handle this grief, this loss, this disappointment? People of the resurrection can handle these questions and rise above them because their sense of why, why these things may be happening, is intimately linked to their relationship with God, their heavenly father through Jesus Christ, his son. Everything that happens is seen as part of the journey. Everything that happens is seen as part of the journey. It's seen as an opportunity to grow in our faith, 
to strengthen our reliance on God, to trust him more fully, everything. And this is linked to the kind of perspective that led Paul to write in Romans chapter 5 and verses 2 to 5. Listen to what he says. And so we boast of the hope we have of sharing God's glory. We also boast of our troubles because we know that trouble produces endurance. Endurance brings God's approval. His approval creates hope. And this hope does not disappoint us. For God has poured out his love into our hearts by means of the Holy Spirit, who is God's gift to us. You see, friends, resurrection people see the whole of life through the lens of faith. Making sense of the various incidents and the events in light of our relationship with him. And even when an event makes no sense, and a lot of things in life, let's be honest, make no sense whatsoever. Even when an event makes no sense at all, the person of the resurrection uses those moments to demonstrate faith, to increase trust, to deepen resolve, and to express courage in the face of adversity. I've got so many examples of this kind of thing over the years, and many of them relate to this church, but I haven't sought permission to share any of those. Let me take you back to a guy who was my very dear friend back in the, uh, in the 80s, a guy called Jeff, Jeff Rohde back in Adelaide. And I was in my uh, 40s, early 40s, and he was not much ahead of me. And he, he learnt the news that he had a very severe form of cancer and uh, was given a relatively short time to live. He was a man of great faith, a man of great faith in the Lord. And he said to me on one occasion, he said, Graham, I'm going to do something for you. You're on your feet all the time speaking. In those days I was speaking on the corporate circuit as well as in church. And this was pre, pre-computer days, or at least I wasn't in the computer. They were still early days. And I, I didn't have a computer back in those days. He said, Graham, I'm going to research all I can for you on the subject you talk on. I've got the time. I'm not going anywhere. Not for now anyway. He said, I'll research all these things. And I, I would get reams of stuff, photocopy stuff, over a period of months from Jeff Rohde. That was just goal for me. He knew I was talking on teamwork. I was talking on leadership. He picked up on various aspects of biblical theology. And I kept the Jeff Rohde files, still have remains of them in parts of my filing system. And he devoted himself in his time of anguish and time of need to a, a very specific and a very useful purpose. They said he had six months. He lasted for 15 months and just defied the, the predictions of the medical staff. He had his how questions. How did this happen? How come I find myself in this predicament? But he was resolute about his purpose and his mission. He had a why. He wanted to reach out beyond himself. He wanted to touch others. And I wasn't the only recipient of his research in those days. He didn't know for how long he had, but he knew why and he had a purpose. And I just saw the difference it made to that man's life. He developed a new reason to live. What about the second assertion? Because of the resurrection, our failures are not fatal. Those who had walked with Jesus, like the character picked up so beautifully by Merida in the the play, those who'd walked with him, those who'd served with him, those who'd hung on every word he said, seeing that stone rolled over the grave on the Friday and the Saturday, that, I mean, that must have looked like the greatest failure of all time. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, 
If you'd really, if you'd hung out with Jesus, if you'd hung on every word he'd said, if you had tremendous expectations of what he was about to deliver, seeing that stone rolled across the tomb, you'd be thinking, wow, it, it's all over. It's finished. He promised so much. He promised the establishment of a kingdom. Now, granted, they've misunderstood that. Let's show them by the guys on the Emmaus Road. We'll look at them next week. You know, uh, he'd, he'd said he was going to establish a, the kingdom of Israel. They thought it was a political kingdom. Jesus was talking about something far different. But, but he also promised a fresh approach to the old traditional Jewish religion. Time and time again, Jesus said, you've heard it said, but I say unto you. you know, it's a whole new ball game. Things are different. It's a whole new scene. They built up their expectations and now the stone was rolled across the grave. It was all over. It was finished. Well, then came the events that we read about just a little while ago that Annie took us through so, so beautifully. And uh, the stone was rolled away in defiance of the natural order. You know, normally, somebody's dead, they're dead. That's it. The stone was rolled away. Jesus walked free. And here's a wonderful reality put to the test on numerous occasions in this church and in every community in which I have served. People of the resurrection experience many stones being rolled away. And this happens whenever new life is breathed into a situation that appears to be a failure or appears to be beyond hope, or that appears to be impossible to bear, or beyond redemption. When the stone was rolled back on that first Easter Sunday, not only did it allow a resurrected Jesus to walk free, but within weeks, a worldwide movement would be born, which would touch every continent on the face of the earth, and 2,000 years later, now, over one-third of the world's population would, would give allegiance in some form or other to this man, Jesus, and his teachings, well over two billion people. Now, that would have seemed absolutely impossible with the scene those guys would have seen on Saturday with the stone over the tomb. That would have seemed just totally way out, way out of the realms of possibility. But that's resurrection power. And that's the kind of thing that's possible when stones are rolled away in your life and in my life. What happens when stones are rolled away? Sins are forgiven and cleansed. Relationships are restored. Hopes and dreams, once dead, are revitalised. Prayers are answered. Lives are transformed. We could just keep listing all the things that happen. When by the power of the Holy Spirit, stones are rolled away. And all of these things and more are possible for the person who, of faith who embraces the resurrected Jesus and all that he has to offer. The Bible is, is so bold, so bold as to state in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, that the power working in us through the Holy Spirit is the same, the same as the mighty strength which raised Jesus Christ from death. Now, friends, I've got to be honest. I've been a minister for many years, a Christian most of my life. I don't think any of us fully understand what that verse is all about. I don't think any of us fully appreciate. We just can't get our head around that. 
that we have the same power that raised Jesus from death. One thing is sure, we're probably all grossly underutilizing the power that we have. I would say that's a fair statement. What are the stones in your life that need to be rolled away today? What is, the, what, what, what is blocking you from aspiring to your full potential in Jesus Christ? What are the issues that need the, need, need the touch of the master to set you free? Unresolved conflict, an unforgiving spirit, a lack of faith, an over-dependence on things. Maybe you're still at the point where you think life is about accumulation, reputation, self-preservation. Instead, it's about transformation. I couldn't think of a better day than Easter Sunday to allow Jesus Christ to roll the stones away for you. and Just give you a whole fresh new beginning. It's possible. That's what we're here for. Well, the final point, our death is not final. The Apostle Paul saw this fact as the pivotal point of the Christian faith. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. This is, pretty, this is a pretty bold statement in itself. If Christ has not been raised, your faith, he says, is a delusion. And you are still lost in your sins. He goes on further. If our hope in Christ is good for this life only and no more, then we deserve more pity than anyone else in all the world. He's basically saying, we Christians, we'd be the laughing stock of the whole world if this is not true, if this resurrection is not true. You see, people of the resurrection see death as a bend in the road, not the end of the road. It's just a bend in the road. It's just a transition. And that belief affects every area of our life. We don't think about it when we're young, maybe, but... But it affects every area of our life, our goals and aspirations, what we do with our lives, where we serve, whom we touch, our approach to suffering and setback, our, our level of confidence and optimism about the future. It's all related to the belief that death is not the end of the road. It's just a bend in the road. Wow. The assurance of life beyond the grave for the people of God, the people of the resurrection, there's nothing like it. Nothing like it. One of my favourite Easter stories is of the uh, real estate company that used to send a big sheaf of flowers to every person who bought one of their homes. And on this occasion, on this particular morning, these new residents of a home received this big sheaf of flowers, but they were a little bit puzzled by the, by the card on the, on the sheaf of flowers. It said, with deeper sympathy, Gosh. Meanwhile, on the other side of town, there was a funeral for a saintly woman of God who'd served all of her life in the Christian church, had a remarkable record of achievement, and a sheath of flowers was laid at the base of the casket, which had a card on it, Welcome to your new home. <laughs> and friends, that's like that's, there was no more appropriate sheath than that, even though delivered by accident. Here's the message of Easter Sunday. If my life is not futile, if my failures are not fatal, if my death is not final, then I am ready to live. I'm really ready to live if I can be sure of those three things. Would you agree? I mean, they're the big ones that you've got to tick off 
to really know what living's all about. Jesus Christ said, I've come that you might have life. Not just life, not just existence, not just some sort of drudgery. Life in all its fullness. And he came back from the dead to make that point crystal clear. Do you know that life today? Do you know that life today? Easter is more than just a good feeling once a year. <laughs> kind of one, something that arouses our hope and our optimism. Yeah, great stuff. And then forget about it the rest of the year. Easter is not just a day. It's a way of life. It's a continuous journey. Everything we're packaged into this day, this weekend, can be yours and mine 24-7, 365 days a year.